Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your divine plan and purpose for our lives as a people. Thank you because every place we are is a holy ground. Where God's name and God's power is to be demonstrated. Lord, you have not changed in your approach to every generation that call upon you. The Bible says, they that seek me will find me. They that seek me early will find me. Lord, we believe you tonight. We've come into your presence to seek you. We will find you tonight. We will experience the joy of your presence. We will experience the fullness of your house. We will experience the blessing of your divine presence. In the name of Jesus. Lord, speak into our heart. Lord, confirm your word with signs and wonders following. Lord, let the power of God be made available tonight. Lord, let every one of us go back home with a tangible impact of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. We give you praise and we give you honor. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. I'm going to take my reading from verse 24 of the book of Deuteronomy chapter 33. And of Asher, he said, now many of us remember that these were the last days of Moses, the man of God. Moses was about to be gathered unto his fathers. Moses knew his days were very close. And because of that reason, Moses gathered the children of Israel together to actually proclaim blessing upon them, upon each tribe of Israel. Now, we're just going to be reading one of the tribes tonight, and then we'll jump to the conclusion of Moses' prayer. Wonderful prayer. Now, we're going to read about Asher. Asher, he said, in verse 24, Asher is the most blessed of sons. May the Lord make you be the most blessed. May the Lord make you the most blessed. Let him be favored by his brothers. And let him dip his food in oil. Your sanders shall be iron and bronze. As your days, so shall your strength be. I thought we were going to say better amen. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides the heavens to help you. And in his excellency on the clouds, the eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting hands. I want us to underline that in our Bible. Underneath are the everlasting arms. It will thrust out the enemy from before you. We say, destroy. Then Israel shall dwell in safety. The fountain of Jacob alone. In the land of grain and new wine. And his heavens shall also drop dew. Happy are you, O Israel. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord? The shield of your help. The sword of your majesty. 
Your enemies shall submit to you. You shall tread down their high places. What a prayer from a man anointed of God to bring a generation out of the land of captivity. What a prayer by a man who had seen it all. He had been in Egypt himself for about 40 years as a young man. He knew what it means to be a prince in Egypt. He knew what it means to be under the influence of Pharaoh. So he understood the details of Egypt. But this man of God in his final days called on the generation of the people of Israel and began to bless them. There is something about the blessing of God that is critical to a man's life and to his future. Let me be honest with us. You, a man cannot be higher than the blessing of God on his life. The degree of your blessing would, de- would determine the degree of your uprising. Your height in life is determined by the level of divine blessing on your life. Moses needed not to pray. But he understood the power of blessing. Blessings usually undermine the effect of a curse. In a place where there is a curse, there is retrogression. In a place where there is a curse, there is a withdrawal. In a place where there is, retro, there is curse, there is inhibition. But the blessing of God creates an overtaking power. By the blessing of God, you will overtake limitations around your life. Without the blessing of God, a man's life will be reduced to nothing. The reason why we have an environment that is this way today is because many of the blessings of God have been hindered by the lifestyle that we live. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, very, very, very profound sentence here. He says, Asha is the most blessed son. What a profound word. Is the most blessed of sons. Let him be favored by his brothers. Let him dip his food in oil. My prayer is that the Lord will cause your food to be dipped in a oil. You know, we understand what a oil means. Where there is friction. Where there is abrasion, when there is oil, 
oil provides lubrication. There is a lubricating ability when there is oil. And the Bible says, let him dip his food in oil. Oil was one of the most expensive ointment in those days that were used to anoint the priest. Oil basically also in another realm indicates an anointing of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Hasha, may you find yourself in the overwhelming power of God. Look, Asher cannot but succeed because his foot will be dipped in the oil. I pray tonight that in the realm of the spirit that our foot will be dipped in the oil. That every friction we have experienced up until now as a result of the oil of God that will be smoothness, that will be lubrication, there will be smoothness. The Lord will cause a definite smoothness on your life in the name of Jesus. Amen. When a man is in a friction, he's not free. With friction comes depression. But God wants our life to be under the oil of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, let your garment be always white. And let your head lack no ointment. I love this when it says, let your food be dipped in oil. In other words, anywhere you go, there will be a symbol you will leave a footprint behind. A footprint of divine unction of the Holy Spirit everywhere you go. When your foot is dipped in it, what do you think is good? There's going to be a mark all over. May the Lord cause us to leave footprints everywhere we go. You will leave the footprints of goodwill. You will leave footprints of divine blessing. Everywhere you step upon the peace and the blessing of God will rest upon such places. We receive the decree of God today that the blessing of God will rest upon each of us. Amen. Dip your foot in the heart. The Bible says, Your sandals shall be iron and browns. And as your days, so shall your strength be. Now my focus tonight is in verse 27. It says, The eternal God is your refuge and hunding and the everlasting arms. I pray for the revelation of the Holy Spirit. I'm in Deuteronomy 33 tonight. I pray that the Lord will reveal himself to us tonight. He says, Eternal God is your refuge and underneath is the everlasting arms. I'll be sharing with us on what I call resting in the everlasting hands. Resting in the everlasting hands. The God of heaven is an eternal God. 
God wants us as his people to understand the place that he occupies in our lives. Understanding of his place will give us an unspeakable peace in our lives. Take a man out of his comfort zone. It's like a fish out of water. God wants us to know that he's not just our father. He bears us in his hands. The Bible says that the hands that is bearing you and me tonight is not the hand of a man. I remember the story of Moses very closely. And this is why this scripture is very critical. Do we remember when Israel was in battle and the Lord spoke to Moses to go to the mountain with Aaron and all and they lifted his arm up. Do we remember that story? The hands of Moses was getting weak. And as soon as the arm of Moses was weak, they lost the battle. The battle was being won on the side of the enemy. But Aaron and all were on the right and on the left. And the, as the hands of, the, of, sorry, of Moses were being lifted, that was victory from the side of Israel. And from there, I believe, the man of God caught a revelation of what an ham can be. And he said, the ham that bears you is an everlasting ham. That's a ham that will never be weak. It's a ham that is strong. It's a ham that is never, never affected by circumstances. The Bible says it's an everlasting ham. In other words, it is not a ham that's available today that will not be available tomorrow. However, Aaron and all may be good to Moses, they were not always there. They were human, and they were human in their approach. Many times, even Aaron lost his confidence in Moses. Do we remember? Aaron made a golden image for the people. Aaron and Miriam met together and said, who who does Moses think he is? God speaks to us too. And God said, ah, okay. I'll let you know. The two of you should come out. He says, I know you're brothers and sisters to this man. But if there's any prophet among you, I speak to them in visions and in dreams. But this man, There was to Adam, Korah, and Abiram. When it came to Miriam, God said, okay, no problem. You will find out. And the, the lady became leprous. I'm sorry, it wasn't, it, it was, yes, it, she became, she was cast out for about seven days before she was brought in. Thank God for Moses who interceded on our behalf. What am I saying tonight? Everlasting ham. God wants us to know that his ham will bear rule on our behalf. His ham is the strength that we need. His ham is our resting place. His ham is our place of refuge. Now, what was the result of the everlasting ham? Let's read it. It says, it will thrust out the enemy from before you. Excuse me, when God bears you in his ham, who is the enemy that will stand against you? Who? Who is the enemy that will stand against you? When God bears you in his ham, And it says it will trust out the enemy. Number two, that's one of the things we must see. When God's arm is underneath your life, nothing, no war, no war, no force from hell. That's why the scripture says no weapon that is formed against you will prosper because you are being held by an everlasting hand. You know, when God stands to fight, 
Everybody knows. It will thrust out the enemy. The word thrust means it will fling the enemy out. The Bible says, and we say destroy. Then Israel shall dwell in safety. I just pray for every one of us today to understand this. That your safety does not depend on your security alarm. Uh -uh. It does not depend on your intellect. It does not depend on how careful and how meticulous we are. I mean, we need to be all of that as even more. But you see, your trust and your confidence is in none of those. Your trust and confidence is in the ability of God to protect and to deliver you from all evil. The Bible says it will deliver you. It will be your safety. Because an everlasting hand is bearing. Many of us that are sitting tonight will have a testimonies of difficult times when you never thought you would ever come out of it. But because of the everlasting hand. I've told us the story of a brother before who had been to the doctors, been to several places. There was no help. But went for a meeting, a vigil. And as they were praying, there was a prayer. The Egyptian that you have seen today, you shall see them no more forever. He prayed, lifted up his eyes to God and went to bed. When they woke up, he was a different man. The Egyptians were gone. Why? Because the everlasting arm bears you. The Bible says you shall dwell in safety and the fountain of Jacob alone. In a land of grain and new wine is heaven also would drop dew. I know that we have been having lack. We have been having issues. But let me say this to us tonight. When you are born by the hands of God, there is nothing that it will not make available for you. The Bible says it will cause the heavens to drop down dew upon you. It will drop down the dew at the due time. You will not run dry because the hand of God is upon you to bring you into a place of supply. Let me quickly go to this same scripture tonight. And I'm just going to begin by saying, God in his calendar has programmed a break for his people. In the Old Testament, the word rest comes from the word noach, which means, in some way, it means cessation from hard work. You know, to to hold it to hold a peace. Just rest. The concept of rest has not been preached as it should. That when we walk with God, is a God who is far interested in the rest of his people. We have paid less attention and we have taught less about this eating promise of God. How many of us believe with me today that rest is a promise? Rest is not a choice. It's a promise from God. I'm not talking about Sabbath. Sabbath is an observation of a day. But I'm talking about the rest of God. The rest that comes from him. Book of Hebrews chapter 4. Let's read what the scripture says about rest. Yeah. 
Hebrews chapter 4. It says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest at any time, or lest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Therefore, since a promise remains, of entering his rest. A promise remains of entering his rest. He says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, nor being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For he, we who have believed, do enter that rest, as he has said. So I swore in my rod, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain places on the seventh day in this way. God rested on the seventh day from all his work. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it. And those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, it designates a certain day, saying, David, today, after a long time, as it has been said, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, then we will not, it will not afterward have spoken of another day. For there remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. May the Lord cause our eyes to be open to his rest. What is rest? Rest is not just a rest from work. But in work. I'll say it again. Rest is not just a rest from work. It is a rest in work. Let me give us the definition given by the man. He said, rest is is not a rest of inactivity, but of the harmonious working of all the faculties and affection of will and heart, imagination and conscience, because each has found in God the ideal sphere for its satisfaction and development. What is he saying? It is not just inactivity. It is the fact that every faculty of our lives, every part of our being, has found its satisfaction in God. That's rest. For there remain a rest for the people of God. Now, when we came to know Jesus, he gave us a promise. Matthew chapter 11. Let's see the promise that Jesus gave. In Matthew chapter 11, many of us can quote this. But I want us to read what Jesus promised as we came in salvation to him. In verse 28, come unto me, all you will labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What did he say was going to give? Rest. Did he say we wouldn't go to work? That's not what he's saying. He said you will have rest. Because in the nature of man there is no rest. 
after the fall of man, rest disappeared from the generation of man. That's the truth. You will not see rest. Let's take a thought of history. You will not see rest in most generation of man because man has disobeyed God. Now, a man will never find rest until he has found his God. Your rest is not in your riches. Your rest, that's why we have many millionaires they don't sleep. Because they are afraid that they will lose the millions in one day. They keep investing and investing and investing. We're just reading of a man who took everybody's money away. His son just committed suicide yesterday. Now, what is the purpose of all, this, of all the money and all the stealing? It means nothing. Because, you see, rest is not in things. Rest is in a person. Rest is in God. But, you see, I've also found out that many believers are living, but we do not enjoy the divine rest of God. Because we are living in a world that is polluted, that is being controlled by the prince of this world. And you know what? The devil is not interested in your rest. He will make sure that the boat will rock day and night. But God says, I will allow you to have rest. Let me give you a very practical example. Because when we enter God's rest, the battle will be on. But in your own, in your own small place, God will give you rest. It's going to be very funny to you because I'm not an expert with football. I know many of the young people will like this. You know, I, I was just trying to study football and I watch this thing every day, American football. This is the situation when people are lining up to play, particularly they call it the line of scrimmage, right? They have people who are lining up and then from the center, the ball is passed to the quarterback. And when the quarterback gets the ball, of course, the defense line wants to push with an attempt to sack the quarterback, many of us will not understand if you don't follow football, but I will explain what I mean by that. They will rush. They will rush and press to make sure that they sack the quarterback. Now, in an attempt to do that, what happens is, if the quarterback intends to play a running play, what does he do? He takes the ball and gives to an halfback. Am I correct? He gives to an halfback to run the ball. Immediately, the halfback gets the ball and runs the ball, what happens? The focus and the pressure is shifted from the quarterback to the halfback. Does it make sense to us? The focus is shifted from what? From the half, from the quarterback to the halfback. And everybody begins to pursue the halfback. What am I talking about? The battle on the feet hasn't changed. What has changed is the focus of the battle. The battle has left the quarterback to the halfback. What am I saying? God wants us to take the battle of our lives and hand it over to him. There is a ball in your hand. There is a burden in your life. Cast your burden upon me. And I will uh, cast your burden upon me. You know, he said, don't, cast, don't, don't carry your own body, but cast upon me. And I will give you peace. And I will give you rest. Take the ball and give it to me. Because the battle shifts from you. It shifts to him. And you know what? I want to see... Who is going to engage him in battle? The pressure of our life will reduce as we begin to take the pressure away from ourselves and give him the body to carry. Look at what Jesus said in verse 29 of the same scripture. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my body is light. I will give you rest. In another way, when we speak about right, we speak about the peace of God. Go 
God wants us to walk in a divine rest. We're living in a world of unrest. He's unrest day and night. War. Tumor. Chaos. How should we live as believers in a world that is already overcome, I mean overwhelmed by unrest and by tumor? God wants us to learn how to bring the body into him. Have we noticed that at every stage of our lives, many of us who are old enough to understand there are different levels of pressure. Is that not true? That what in some time in the past, it was a different battle we were fighting. When you get off one barrel, it's another battle entirely. Now, that is why somebody defines life. He said life is a battle. You know why they say that? It's because they look at their whole life. You're getting off one and you're getting into another. Now, what we need to understand as gospel based on the revelation of God's word is to learn how to place the battle in God's hand. That was an experience we had, you know, when, uh, you know, our, gram- our grandmas were traveling. And I remember that night, we got to the airport, and we brought all the bags out. Somehow, I did not see the trolley, <laughs> you know. I didn't see it. My son, as young as he was dragging a big bag, and I was looking at it. I couldn't get out of the car, and I said, oh, my God, what are we going to do? He left, and I saw it. I said, ah. He didn't need to do that. We could have just put it on that thing and there would be rest for everybody. <laughs> you know, there was so much commotion going on because we were trying to carry a heavy bag. Do you know that's how God wants us to live? He has provided a wheel in his kingdom. Don't carry the body. The body hasn't changed. What has changed is the source of the body. Who is carrying the body now? Is he a trolley by the kingdom or you or yourself? And you know, we're so trained and you know, we've been trained since we were young. Your destiny is in your hand. How many of us have had that sentence before? Your destiny is in your It's up to you. It is true. I agree, but not totally true. Your destiny is not in your hand. Your destiny is in his hands. We must learn. I know people are going to argue with me on that, but the truth is, your destiny is not in your hand. You cannot choose what you become. He chooses what you become. What we can do is to learn, and a lot of people have worked themselves to a grave because they cannot enjoy the rest of God. But God wants us to know, you can place that rest. You can place the burden of your life in my hands. Is it going to be easy? No. What are the factors that are very critical to finding the rest of God? Let's take a look at some of those factors. Isaiah chapter 30. Factors in entering the rest of God. Let's take a look at some of those factors. Isaiah chapter 30, this is what it says. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in verse 15. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved. What did he say? In returning and rest. In other words, there is salvation if you can rest on me. In returning, return to me. Return to me. You prisoners of hope, return to me and place the burden of your life before me. All our lives, I don't think we'll ever be able to answer certain questions in our life. There are many unanswered questions and we'll never get answers to them. Many of us are seeking to understand everything you will never. There are things you will never understand in life. 
That's one of the things the scripture tells us in the book of Proverbs. It says there are things that are too hard for me to understand. The way of a serpent on the rock. How many of us understand it? You cannot. And he also said the way of a maid, of a mystery, and a man. How many of us have wondered, how did Abigail marry neighbor? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Neighbor was called a fool. <laughs> and he got married to one of the most precious ladies in the scriptures. How did it happen? Vice versa. It's under, it, you can't get it. So there are many unanswered questions. And an attempt to answer every question in our lives will be impossible. All we could do is to say, Lord, this is yours. I cannot answer it. Take it over from me. And I believe that the next couple of days, by the grace, as we wait on the Lord, we're going to experience the rest of God. The rest of God will come into our lives. In returning, in other words, return to me. This return does not mean only salvation. It also means, as believers, we can be running our own lives without looking up to him. And you know, I found out that if we will learn to listen to him, there are many battles that are necessary that we're fighting every day. I'm honest with us. There are many pains that we're bearing if we learn to place it before him. What a privilege we forfeit because we have not learned to take everything to him in prayer. What a privilege we forfeit. Number two. It says in that scripture that we read that some fell short of his rest. In other words, it's very important to know that God does not want us to fall short of his rest. What does it mean to fall short of God's rest? In other words, the inability to enter into his full rest. What is the cause that makes people not to enter into God's rest? One of the reasons is disobedience. That's what we read in the book of Bruce chapter. We're going to read more. We read it a few minutes ago. Because of their disobedience, they could not enter into his rest. Let's read Hebrews chapter 3 verse 18. Hebrews 3 verse 18. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 18. This is what it says. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey. Ever said did not obey? Those who did not obey. Disobedience will create an unrest in a man's life regardless of God's covenant. When we walk in disobedience, we are setting ourselves up for unrest. And God does not want his people to be in an unrest. Let me give us an example. A believer who is indulging in the things of the flesh will have problem with rest. How many of us have noticed that when you do something wrong, you can't pray? Your rest is withdrawn because your confidence before God, the key part of our relationship with God, that's what makes Christianity different from every other religion, is the fact that imbued into our relationship with God is confidence. Everyone say confidence. Immediately a believer commits sin, your confidence is withdrawn or wanes. Or you are living in a, a non-sin, a willful sin, your confidence begins to wane. You cannot stand strong before God. And the enemy knows that. And that was one of the things that Joseph protected. When the invitation kept coming, the pressure was mounting up. It was mounting up. Huh. Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness? And sin against God. And also against my master. So it wasn't only against God. Because we must always look. Every sin you commit has both spiritual and a physical repercussion. 
both vertical and an horizontal repercussion. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God and against my master? That's why when you do something wrong, you can't pray, you can't worship. There is a constant nudge for you to repent. Have we noticed that? If you're a believer, if you're sanctified in your spirit, God wants you to repent immediately. That's why one of the things I usually mention to believers, keep a short account with God. Do we get it? Keep a what? A short account with God. When something goes wrong, don't wait until you want to have a special time at night to pray. No, immediately. Say to the Lord, I'm sorry. It, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't know what is going on in my life, but I'm so sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Let the blood of Jesus cleanse me. Short account with God. Because the enemy wants to keep us in that position. You know what it does? It brings guilt and condemnation. And you know what guilt and condemnation does? Guilt and condemnation begins to, begins to work in our heart. We cannot trust God for anything. Number three. Maybe number four. Now. Is it number three or number four? One of the factors in rest is that rest is the antidote to worry and anxiety. Hallelujah. Rest is what? Is the antidote to worry and anxiety. Uh, to, to say that does not mean that none of us will go through very, very you know, serious pressure. We're going to have pressure. Do we understand it? None of us will be immune from pressure until we have left this body. However spiritual we have, we're going to have pressure. What am I saying tonight? I'm saying that the pressure of life will come. It will. It will come to the low. It will come to the high. It will come to the rich. It will come to the poor. It will come to the, you know, to the known and to the unknown. The pressure of life will come. Worry and anxiety will come. We're going to feel it. But what happened, we're, we're not going to succumb to it. We're going to say, Lord, I yield it up to you. I yield it up to you. I remember, I, was, I remember some years ago, I was in a conference. It was a minister's conference. And the man of God came and said, you see, many times that I'm praying for the sick, he said, in my body, it, it took God to hold my feet together. But he was still praying for the sick. I remember Smith Wigglesworth was under terrific pain. And many men that were dead were being raised in his meetings. What am I talking about? We understand that the things of God are very, very critical. We need to understand that. That in your life, God will walk through a hall of submission. And God wants you to understand that when you're walking with him, there is an absolute concentration on his will in your life. Anxiety will come. There will be days when there will be nothing. Nothing around you, but your God with you. Learn to place the trust in him. How do we enter into that rest when worry and anxiety comes? You know what I've noticed? When we pray to a particular point, there is an unspeakable peace that flows into our world. I don't know how many of us have experienced it. When you pray to a particular point, peace just comes. Where do we think it came from? It's the rest of God. That's how God, to tell, that's how God explains to you, I've answered your prayer. The peace of God just comes. You've prayed over an issue and you've called upon God. You've waited on him. You've prayed and prayed and prayed and suddenly you enter into a moment. Let me be honest with us. The world will never experience that. The world will never. It doesn't matter. Two people are in the same place experiencing the same thing. But when you take the matter into the inner room of God and you commit the matter to God, peace comes from God. The rest of God comes. And you know what I always look for? That's the sign I look for. When I'm praying over an issue, once I enter into that moment, I stop praying. 
The peace of God has come. The rest of God has come. You know what I'm waiting for? I'm waiting for manifestation. When you enter into the rest of God, the next thing that is going to happen in your life is manifestation. And I want to say to you, to the many of us have been praying over issue, and God has brought you to the place of rest. You know what is coming? The miracle is coming. You are closer to the miracle than the time you started to pray. Once you enter into the rest of God, the hand of God is already upon you. He says, ask and you shall receive. That's what he says. He says, up until now you have asked for nothing, but ask that your joy may be full. I will make your joy to be full. I will give you peace. I will give you rest. Have we noticed when Jesus visited his disciples, there was always a constant sentence, sentence with Jesus. Peace be unto you. Do we remember that? Peace. When it comes, it comes with peace. Because he's the prince of peace. We are in a fellowship. We are in a covenant with a prince of peace. The peace of God must reign in our lives. Proverbs chapter 3. That's why I'm going to close tonight. Proverbs chapter 3. Are we there? Proverbs chapter 3. In verse 5. Very familiar scripture to many of us, but we're still going to read tonight. This is what it says. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart. How many of us have read that scripture before? It said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. All your heart. All your heart. Trust with all your heart. You know the question I asked when I got there? I don't know how many of us have seen what I've seen. I was asking myself, how many hearts have I got? <laughs> how many hearts did I get? In other words, what God is saying here is this. When the troubles and crisis come, your heart can become compartmentalized. Is that not true? Your heart can become compartmentalized. That one compartment is believing, the other compartment is doubting. <laughs> Is that not true? One compartment is saying yes. The other compartment is saying, well, I'm not too sure. <laughs> one compartment is saying, well, we believe there. Particularly when we come to church, one compartment says, oh, yes, we will do it. Oh, yes. There is a rousing noise because other people are saying, but now what happens when you're alone? When the enemy throws the darts of doubt. Compartment with all your heart. Amen? It says, and lean not on your own understanding. Do we remember where we're coming from? We're coming from Deuteronomy chapter 33. Where do they say we should lean on? On the everlasting arm. Not your understanding. Your understanding will be too short for the days we're entering. It will be too small to handle life itself. There is no man in his intellect can live this life and enjoy it. Your intellect is too small to enjoy life. That's the truth. That's why the most brilliant are never the most are, not the, are never the happiest. They are brilliant, but they are not happy. Happiness, they, they are not joyful. Because your intellect will not provide joy. You know why? Because your intellect is so calculating, it's so calculative. How many of us know how calculative our intellect is? Oh, yes. You know, I know how old I am now, and I know what I'm going to become in the next five years. Oh, what is the hope for these children? Your mind is running, is running into several areas. This is the truth. This is who we are. That's how the machine works. But God says, I'm the one who made this machine. Trust me with every compartment of your life. Trust me. 
He says, lean not to your understanding. He says, in all your ways, everyone say, all, all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. My prayer tonight is that after tonight, the Lord will direct our paths. When we enter into trust and rest and peace of God, do you know what I found out the benefit of it? It is easy to hear God. Hello? We cannot hear God correctly when there is no rest. That's why one of the advice we give to people, when you are in the moment of confusion, don't make major decisions because you make the wrong one. Don't ever do it. Because when there is no rest, your, your sense of judgment is already impaired. It's impaired. You cannot make appropriate decisions because you're not at rest. And God is saying, I want to give you rest. Jesus promised rest. Tonight we're going to lay hold on the rest of God. Let's rise up to pray as believers. There is rest that remains for the people of God. Uh -uh. We deserve this rest, don't we? Uh -uh. It's time for God's rest in our lives. We're going to pray tonight and say, Lord, I had time to your rest tonight. Lord, forgive me. Any areas of my life where I have not experienced your, your rest. He said, with all of your heart. Maybe in some compartment I did. In some other compartment I did not. Lord, from today, I ask you, oh God, to forgive me. Areas where I have not entered into that. I have not allowed the rest of God sufficient enough to place me at a vantage point in my life. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Cleanse me, Lord. Many times I do not even see that everlasting and bearing me up. I thought I could do it myself. I could walk my way to it. But Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse my heart tonight. Cleanse my heart tonight. Cleanse my heart tonight. Cleanse me, oh God. Lord, cleanse me. Cleanse me. Cleanse my heart. Forgive me. Repentance brings to light what is in the darkness. I want us to know that the greatest force on earth today, particularly in spiritual warfare, is repentance. Uh, that's why I always encourage repentance. Repentance is powerful. The most powerful force in the realm of the spirit is repentance. I want us to just ask the Lord to forgive us. Because repentance takes the hand of the enemy away, invites the living God into the affairs of your life. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. I want us to listen to me. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. Believe in the Lord your God. In other words, enter into his rest. And you shall be established. How many of us want to be established? He says, enter into my rest. You will be established. Every destabilizing factors will be removed. I want us to say, Lord, I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. I trust you. Lord, with all of my heart, win my heart tonight, oh God, to be able to believe you. Yes. Win my heart. Let me believe you, Lord Jesus. Yes, my father. Ye prados que te galada baros que te yedede. E clados que te yadaba. 
Lord, help me to believe. Help me to believe you. Help me to trust you. With every moment of my life, help me to trust you. With every decision I'm, I'm to take, help me to believe you. Help me to trust you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. We're going to pray. That's the last prayer. Lord, bring me into your rest. Bring me into your rest. Bring me into your rest. Financially, bring me into your rest. Bring me into your rest. Physically, bring me into your rest. In the name of Jesus. Lord, bring me into your rest. Let me enter into the rest of God from this day. Rest of God. Every anxiety, I relinquish it. Cast your burden upon me. Cast your care upon me for I care for you. You want us to learn to cast our care? That the battle battle of our life will continue, but we can redirect the enemy. The pressure of life will be off us. It will be resting on him. Lord, we rest it on you. We, We cast our burdens on you. As a church, we cast our burdens on you. As a people, we cast our burdens on you. As families, we cast our burdens on you. As the years run up, we cast our burdens on you. Lord, take it over. Take it over. Take it over. We've been struggling in our flesh. We think we can do it. We went to school. Our brains have been trained. But Lord, our spirit needs to be trained. To trust you. To launch into the deep by casting our cares upon you. Thank you, Father. We give you praise tonight. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Father, tonight, I pray for rest. Lord, from worry, from anxiety, Lord, from the vicissitudes of life. Many of the times, it is spiritual battle. Lord, every attempt of the enemy to cause a discomfort, a destabilization in our lives, we reject and we neutralize it today. We receive the rest of God. Lord, every burden in our heart will lay it upon the altar tonight. Take it over. Take it over. Take it over. Some of us have burdens over our families. We have burdens over our future. Lord, we cast it all before you. Take it over, our Father. Lord, we cease from all labor. We cease from all worry. We cease from all anxiety. Help us to walk in obedience with you. Thank you, Father. We bless your name and we honor you. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. And amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Rest. Rest, rest, rest from all labor. The Lord will give us rest. Rest. Hallelujah.